Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So that was my attempt at a somber hey, hey, hey. I was going to go like, hey, guys, we're here yeah. again. It's America. 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 We're actually going to go on. A, I'm just speaking for the country now. We're just going to go on like a six-week vacation. We're going to go to like France or something. <laughs> Where do we want to yeah. go? Yeah. A lot is happening. I'm like, what? Like, I was in Atlanta. Um, I was speaking at like on a panel in Atlanta. And um, um, my publicist, Drina, was like, what? She was showing me, like, I just, I wasn't fully focused, but she's showing me pictures of um, these men with tiki torches. And I'm like, what? What's going on? She kept saying, I can't believe what's happening in Charlottesville. I can't believe what's happening in Charlottesville. So I didn't, I wasn't fully uh, focused until, like, I looked for myself. And I'm like, wait, what? This was just the night that they that they went on to, um, what, what's the campus of the college? What's the college? Uh, I actually don't know. It's um, Is it the University of Virginia. I think so, but I was like, "Wait, so how are they allowed on college campuses with tor?" Like, you know, it was weird because, you know, it was kind of like this juxtaposing. Like, they've got like citronella tiki torches, but their faces were very serious with anger and, I guess, rage or whatever. I don't um, know if it was a college campus. I think they were they were there protesting. I don't know. They were just protesting the removal of some. Um, Civil War statue. Yeah, no, it was. Um, it, well, they said they marched through the University of Virginia on oh, Friday night. Okay. Yeah, chanting, "You will not replace us." There's one guy in particular. I, like everyone's seen his face. Like if you see his face, um, I guess you know he was not expecting to be kind of like the poster boy for this, but his face was like. I, a photographer took his picture and I think the New York Post kind of like ran the story and it was like three guys, but his face was the one that was kind of contorted with the most rage. And after, I guess they must've found him and reached out to him. He was like, Oh no, I, you know, that, that was not my intention. We're, we're not hateful. We're not racist. We just, and it was just so strange. Cause you could tell that he was now that he was like being outed, you know, it was like all of a sudden it was all this backtracking of like, oh, no, 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 we don't we don't hate anyone. We just want to preserve our culture as well. We think everyone should have a culture. I'm like, really? Because that's not what it looked like. I read they were chanting white lives matter. Jews will not replace us. You will not make. Uh, I mean, to backtrack yeah. like that. There's some they have some balls, though. I mean, if they go home to jobs and their jobs aren't firing them right now. I also want to know what I haven't gotten a good sense of is exactly how many people there were at this on their mm -hmm. side at this rally i think that's important too but 
someone someone I was talking to about it said, well, you know, it's really just a small group of people, and I and I and I agree that we need to like be re- we need to be getting the full picture. You know, was it? I think it's hard in this situation because it, it's it's um, it's easy to for the media to sort of make it look like there's just so 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 many people. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were outnumbered by um, counter protesters. But at the same time, the next day, yeah, the, the next, next day. What you mean? The yeah. next day. Yeah. I don't think I. I think that evening it was kind of took everyone by surprise. So they were like, "Wait, what?" And then the next day, I guess I don't know if there was this, it was the same group. But the next day there was a like a guess a bigger display, like a rally, and that's when the counter protesters kind of um you're right, it seems like they outnumbered them. But it was Well what I was I, gonna, just like, I, I, let me okay, just finish sorry. real quick because I didn't want to belittle it by saying there weren't that many. What I just what I wanted to say was there there aren't it is a small it probably is a very small group of people, but it's still the issue is that they feel like they're in a safe place right now where it's yeah. okay to be out in the streets without even with you know completely um with these stupid tiki torches um yes. they feel like this is their time you know and there's only one reason they feel like this is our time it's because Let's be real. 45 <laughs> it's because of our president um yeah it's because of their president and the fact that he was elected they, a lot they... by this alt-right movement and they said it like david david duke right wasn't he like the former president of the KKK or whatever he said, you know, this is, we're fulfilling the promises that 45 um, put before us and why we elected him. Uh, we are, you know, here because, you know, we're taking back what, you know, is quote unquote ours. And there was a letter, Soledad O'Brien tweeted this letter. She was like, if you think this is not connected to the president anyway, let's be clear. She was like, so I guess a letter went out like um to the their whatever socialist nationalist group whatever saying hey brothers like you know don't because donald uh the president um said basically like oh we have to all come together as one or whatever some people on the alt-right were angry with him and they were like no don't be angry if you notice he didn't condemn us it's very clear he's letting us know secretly hey i'm with you Mm -hmm. like it was so scary and i was like you know what he's right he didn't condemn like Yo, it's crazy times. There's hatred and bigotry on all sides, he said, on many, many sides, many sides. But in this specific instant, Mr. Doofus, there's one, there's one type yep. of hatred and bickering, uh, bigotry from one side. It's very, very apparent. They're literally waving signs that say who they are and what they stand for. Um, and the fact that he was – and the fact that this statement came from his private golf course in New Jersey – and yeah. doesn't even have the cojones to to call it what it is, to call racism racism. And then the next day when that car crash happened and, what, three people yes. died, to call yeah. terrorism terrorism. Um, yeah. It just – like, but, I mean, I want everyone like, – we're not crazy. We all have eyes now. We all have eyes, phones. We can call it – I think it's important that we're all calling it what it is yep. um, and not shying away, shying away from it. I mean, even some of his supporters are like, come on, dude. Let's just call. I think Ivanka even tweeted that it was um, that you know against the white supremacy. I don't, I haven't seen anyone though call it terrorism. What happened the next day when a white man? Um, and it's still not clear exactly who he is, but there was uh, there's one headline saying that he was definitely a neo Nazi sympathizer. Um, but because he's a white man, it's like, oh, let's just, you know, let's wait till the facts are in before we call it terrorism. You know? Of course, because you know we don't we can't jump to the gun like that. That would be totally unfair. Like, can you imagine yeah. if that was replace all those white men with black men with torches? Can what? you imagine? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we would have Ferguson. Like, I there was this yeah. awesome repost that I reposted. It was like, so where are all the riot gear? 
where's all the the tear gas and rubber bullets and 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 you know um scary police dressed to the nines in their right you're asking for a friend and standing rock and ferguson like because when brown folks were protesting and you know, it was a total, completely different energy that you brought. There were there were videos where I saw uh, the terrorists, white supremacists, pushing the police line back. Where, where? How, could that happen in Ferguson? That a bunch of brown folks could push the police line back and it's and nothing happened. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, wow. Like for people who want to be like like purposefully obtuse and pretend as if there is no difference, I'm like. This is like whatever, dude. Like I, it just really, you know. It's like I remember when the president, when when President Barack Obama was elected, and folks were just like, "Oh, you Browns, you can finally stop complaining. There's no more racism now. There's a black president." And we're like, "Are you kidding me? That doesn't mean that there's no more racism. That's not how racism works, you know. That like just because a a a, a black man is is elected president, it doesn't mean that there's still not systematic racism and there's still not." Um, racism out there. And now we see that it's, I mean, just because it's not, it wasn't flagrantly obvious then, now we see, like, none of that has, none of that went away. If anything, it, it seemed like it increased it. <sighs> Did you see the interview when they interviewed the, um, the, the, the young man who, um, the terrorist that ran into the people, they interviewed his mother? No. Yeah, Yahoo, actually, your ex-employer, if you're, they, um, they interviewed his mother and, um... Was it Katie? She was... Is that her name? No, Katie Kirk. Uh, I know she's down there right now. Oh no, I think it was a. It, I didn't see video. I just saw, um, like you know, it was like a picture. She was like, "Oh, he told me that he was going to go protest. I told him to be careful and some like not be super political." And she was like, "I didn't, you know, I don't think he's racist. I mean, he had a black friend." I was like, "Are you? Are you? Are you kidding me?" And so I was just like, "Yeah." So yeah, well, you're. We'll see what happens to him. That's what I'm going to be curious about now that you've killed three people. Oh, I'm sure he'll have a fair trial. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll be a whole question. Are they going to indict him? Are they going to maybe he just, you know, had road rage or <laughs> like maybe his maybe his foot slipped on the pedal. Who knows? I was reading some of the things that they were saying about how, you know, we're not racist. We're just trying to, you know, better our lives and we just want to um, we were more about protecting ours, our place. Um, not bringing others down. And I'm like, but that's the very you know definition so of racism when your exactly. reservation is more important than someone else's. Like, what? I mean, <laughs> yo, it's so crazy to me because I'm like, do you realize that the times that you quote unquote want to go back to were bad times for everyone else that was not white? Like, yeah. and they're like, really? What? Not even really, but yes. So you're saying, I want to go back to the times when black people can't vote. When, you know, um, uh, brown people couldn't, you know, didn't have the same rights. Um, I mean, you want to go back to that time and preserve that part of history. And you're saying, why can't we just go back to having less? And like, what are you really like? What what are you really marching for? I'm sorry. Are, are you not getting certain jobs? Are you being followed in stores? So like what what is the harm that's being done to you? You know what I mean? I'm just like, you couldn't live one day as brown one day. Because someone is taking down a statue. Well, you know, the only way that they'll ever... I mean, they're never going to get it. I mean, the people are this no. far gone, I have to say. Again, it's a small group of people, but I think it's the ones in the middle who aren't out there necessarily protesting, but they're doing it in their own small yeah. ways every day. Yep. You know? 
um, I think I'm reading the most perfect book for this moment at the perfect time. Uh, I've been reading Americana for like the last month, mm. um, trying to get through it. Have you read it? You haven't read it. Um, no, I've read her book before that. Um, um, half a yellow. Uh, half, oh my gosh. So good. It's but good. yeah, I haven't read it. I, it's a, it's a big book. Um, not big, but it's like, you know, it's not, it's not a quick read, but it's really good. And it's about, it's partially about a woman's experience coming from Nigeria to America and Ackland becoming, you know, um, I think she spends like over a decade here and just her story of immigrating and then the, the, the challenges she went through and, and like establishing a life for her here. But then she also starts this blog while she's here, which is about the non-black experience in America. And it's sort of, yeah. it, and it's, it, but anyway, it feels like it was, I think this book came in 2013. It feels like the Solange album of books right now. Mm. Some of her blog posts, you know, there was one specifically about oppression and like, can you imagine, um, or not oppression, but about how when someone's telling you something is racist to a person who's non-black, when someone's telling you who is black or brown, if they're telling you something is racist, don't deny them. Why would you deny them? It's not like they're, I mean, it's almost like that they, they, they don't want to, they don't want to admit to themselves that it's real. So they tell you what you're seeing isn't real or you're overreacting yeah. or you're being dramatic. And I think right now it's just, it's just, it, what's been beautiful to me is to see everyone sort of rally together and be like, to affirm that what we're all seeing and to affirm that what we're all feeling and that it's, it's yes, valid. It's, we're not, we're not crazy we're for not once. Crazy. And you can't tell us, yes. you can't convince us we're crazy. It ain't. Yes, finally. It ain't. Like, we're that's finally, something that's like, changed. Right? Because I remember, like, the only, like, refuge you used to have were your other brown friends. I'm like, wait, I'm not I'm not crazy, right? Like, she was following me, right? Because there would be times, I can remember when we first moved to Westfield, which is largely white, a huge Jewish population. And, um, like, I remember we moved there. When you move there, you get, like, a welcome kit. I didn't know this until I got a little older, but my mom had gotten, like, all these coupons. Like, you know, come because basically they wanted you to come downtown Westfield and get acclimated and and spend money. So she'd gone. And when she'd gone downtown, when she brought the coupons, people acted like, what do you where'd you get these from? We're not honoring these. And I didn't know that it wasn't until I was like in sixth grade. And I was like going downtown like for the first time. It was like I had been we had lived there for a year and I'd gone downtown with one of my friends. And um, she um, I was walking in a store and um, the lady followed me. Like aisle by aisle. At first, it took me a while to recognize it. I'm like, is she following me? I'm like, no. But aisle by aisle, she's following me. And I just assumed, because I was still really young, I was like, oh, because I'm a kid, she thinks I'm going to steal. And then my friends came in, and they were loud and obnoxious and like running through the aisles. And she continued, my friends were all white, and she continued to follow me. And it took me a moment, and I'm just looking like, wait. And I walked up to her, and I said, why are you following me? And she just looked at me, and she's like, why are you in my store? And I was like, and then like the realization kind of came over me and I'm like, are you, are, are you following me? Cause I'm black. And she just said, get out of my store. And I was like, I was heartbroken. Cause that never happened. I'm like a kid, you know, so I go home and I'm crying. I tell my mother and she told me about her experiences with the coupons. And don't you know, to this day, my mother has never shopped downtown Westfield ever. Mm-hmm. She said, I will never. And I just thought like, but then if you were to tell that to someone, oh, well girl, that's because no, that's not why. Like, don't tell me I'm crazy. Like, this is what's. That's it's it. This is what's happening, and so that's the part that's really disheartening. Is when, you know, you're checking yourself. Like, am I overreacting? Am I, you know, and 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 even telling yourself like maybe I am, but really seeing it and seeing it over and over and over again. Where now I'm just like, whatever. Like I, 
to me, the small group of men that were there, that's not what worries me. It's the big group behind them that supports that, but that but wouldn't carry a torch publicly. Exactly. You know, it's their wives, their girlfriends, it's their friends who don't say anything, you know? I mean, I feel um, like if you and- can't sit, if you can't watch that footage or read what the story is about what's happening in Charlottesville and, and say, of course, that's racism, of course, that's a, uh, terrorism, then you're complicit um, yeah. in what's going on. I mean, what is it? Inaction is just as bad as action in some ways. There's some quote about that, which I can't remember right now, but that's essentially the the gist of it. Um, yeah. Group hug. Yeah. Another winning, another winsome moment. I know. In 2017. Well, speaking, of, speaking of brown folks getting shafted, so did you see the um, video I posted? Uh, so a friend of mine, Lovey, y'all know her. We've had her on as a guest. She's awesome. She has a New York Times bestseller. So I'm judging. I'm going to. Yes, I'm judging you, which you should go read. Um, but we had her so, on the show right before the book came out. We did. I think it was like last, last year sometime. Ish. Yeah, so her book from almost the very beginning became a New York Times bestseller and her publishers have been obviously printing copies and she's been telling them like, hey, where's my where's my New York Times bestseller like stamp, sticker, whatever on my book? Because you could when you reprint them, obviously you want to say that because it's like a proven statistic that books that say New York Times bestsellers sell more. Right. And so I think she, 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 her first run or whatever, she sold like 66,000 copies, something like that. And so they just recently, just recently, like less than a week ago or whatever, reprinted 50,000 copies without, without the New York Times bestseller. She was like, what the hell? Um, And she, she, she did a Facebook live talking about how, like, what's really going on? Because even when her first, I remember when her book came out, she was writing cryptic messages like, y'all really have to support me because I'm not getting support with my publisher as far as marketing and this and that. Because typically publishers, when they have books that come out, um, they usually have one book that they really put their energy behind and the other ones kind of fair fend for themselves. So hers was not the, suspect. they didn't expect her book to do as well, but her book did very well. Um, and so, but she never felt like she kind of had the support. And then for them to reprint. So if you sold 66,000 in your prime, do you know how long it's going to tell her to sell, sell through 50,000? How long it's going to take her to sell through 50,000 before they can reprint another cover that says New York Times bestseller and how much money she's missing out on? Because seeing that on a book, if you don't know the author, would make you at least pick it up to read the back of it. Right. And so... So she, you know, she expressed her frustration because she's already t- spoken to them and went to Facebook to express her frustrations. And some other writers, an older woman and a few other writers, I think, like kind of like clack back and they're like, oh, you're so entitled and um, you should just be happy that you had a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, that's what they tell you. But she's like, so entitled means wanting something I did not earn. I earned my spot on the New York Times bestseller list. All I'm asking is that my book reflects what I earned. I'm not asking for more. I'm not, you know, and I just thought like, it's just so curious that when women stand up for themselves, cause I'm sure it was not easy to demand and say, what the hell, this is not okay. Well, don't they want her book to sell? Isn't it in their interest? I, I mean, publishers make like 95% of the money when a yes, book sells. So what? honestly, exactly. And that's why she's like, I don't understand what's going on here. They're like, this has never happened before. You know, we've, um, you know, this is, I'm sorry, this is a huge mistake. We've never made this mistake before. And she's like, yeah, but we've been, like, I've been a New York Times bestseller. This is our, this is her seventh, they're, they're in her seventh reprint. So this is not like, 
How many times can that mistake be made before you're like something intentional is happening? This is now reprint number one, two, three, four, five. It's reprint seven. So it's I think like, she said so... reprint nine actually. So it's even worse. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's like what's really happening when you know what I mean? So I don't honestly I don't know. I could not tell you why a publisher would not put that on her after they've been requested. But she's had um um issues with them before. And um so I don't know honestly. But I, it's it's important and it's not easy because you know people will call you a troublemaker. People will say that, you know, like how dare you speak up for yourself. People, you know, will say you're entitled. Can you imagine entitled? Basically it's like saying, hey, I bought a hamburger. I gave you $5 and you didn't give me a hamburger. And I'm like, hey, where's my hamburger? And someone's saying, well, girl, just be glad that you're even able to eat. Like, but yeah. no, but I, but I bought, but I bought a hamburger. <laughs> Why can't I expect to eat that? And yeah, so I'm just proud of her for standing up. Cause I know it's not easy. Cause I'm sure there are still people who are rolling their eyes like, oh boy, you're complaining, but at least you got New York Times bestseller. Yeah. But that's a huge, huge accomplishment that I'm sure 99% of authors never get why shouldn't her book reflect that? And then, too, it's a monetary loss that she's losing. And so they're losing. We... It just, I mean, I, I understand all sh everything she's saying, but I, I mean, like, I feel like one thing that you can, one thing that that over that that outweighs sexism and racism in any industry is money. And if they yep. say they make more money, why are like they're idiots? <laughs> they're yeah, dumb. Yeah, you're right. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I don't know. I mean, it seems mutually beneficial to have a book. They should be proud of publishing a New York Times bestseller book. They right? are shooting themselves in the foot but i hope she gets i hope maybe shonda rhimes will buy about fifty thousand copies and then she'll get to, to print another cop another round with stickers i don't know yeah i know well, she said in the yeah. video she, she can't just go buy stickers and stick them on the books herself so then i was i was immediately imagining like a group effort like right <laughs> like a human <laughs> chain of well, stickering on yeah. books because <laughs> i was thinking that too yeah but i just and it's hard to stand up for yourself because it's women you know, like when she first um, went live about it, I was cringing because the good girl in me was like, no, because, you know, that's what you're taught. You don't make waves. You don't ask for what you deserve. You take what people give you. And then the other part, the warrior in me was like, go, because like at the, you know, it's like if you have to learn to say something, it's it's not easy. Like I was telling my sister because she was having uh, trouble where she's working. And I said, are you going to wait? until you have a nervous breakdown. Like, is that what you're, is that what you're waiting for? Are you going to wait until you're so overwhelmed that you literally cannot move? And so I said, or are you going to say something, but what can they do? I don't know. I told her, I don't know what they can do, but I know that saying nothing gets you nothing. And it's so hard for, it's like good girl syndrome. Well, I don't want to say I, I could do it. I figure it out. No, you have to learn to speak up for yourself and say something. There's nothing wrong with that. I give my dad a lot of credit. I mean, his his he always taught me it's okay to complain when something isn't right or something that you something you worked for or bought or whatever wasn't to your standards. Now, okay, I'm gonna I, I should I should clarify that by saying this usually has to do with like Wendy's hamburgers. Like if there weren't yeah. enough fries or if the burger was too cold, he would eat about half of it and then have no problem going to the counter and asking for the rest of it or asking for like a brand new one. Um, <laughs> but I've taken that. And I and I I have become the person in my life who is the first one, you know, after my wedding, even when I wasn't happy with the flowers and I wasn't happy with some things that um, that uh, the DJ. I mean, I I had a gorgeous, perfect wedding, and a lot of people made me feel like I was acting out of line by going back and telling them what I felt could have been better. 
Um, mm. And I was like, why should I? I spent thousands. Why should I yes, feel bad for telling them they messed up? When I, Yes, in the whole picture, it was beautiful. And I'm very grateful. But don't they want to be better in service? And don't they need to know what I what I thought could have been better and wasn't up to standards exactly. with what I and I, I mean, as I was typing it, even I felt guilty even after. And I was like, but why? Why do I feel this way? Um, yeah. Ugh. I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I, I, I do it anyway. <laughs> um, no, and I'm proud. And I think that's why I have, like, I always have, like, I, like, I, I always have a type of friend. So, like, you, um, Drina, there's a few other friends in my life that have, like, the chutzpah like that. And I know I purposefully have friends like that because that's not my, like, my natural nature. I'm always like, oh, that's okay. I'll just suffer. I'll just suffer. And I I hate that I'm like that. So I have folks around me who are like, girl, no, because it emboldens me to say, you know what? No. Like, look at Manny. Didn't she just say, hey, this is not what I ordered? Like, I remember one time I ordered food and I got the wrong food and I was going to eat it. And my friend's like, are you kidding me, Tiffany? (laughs) Are you kidding me? This is not what you ordered. I was like, I know, but I don't mind salmon. And she was like, girl, if you don't call the waitress over, she's like, you don't have to be rude. You just say, hi, this is not what I ordered. I don't know what it is. I just, it, and it's, it's a habit that I want to break. And so I surround myself with people who are not afraid to say something. It's just, we, we've seen the damage, what can happen when you don't stand up and tell people what's going, even if it's the smallest thing that's happened to you, that seems unjust, or I'm, I know it, we're talking about food again, which seems like a small thing, but it's, it's like knowing when it matters enough to speak up and, yeah. and choosing the right moments. But then I don't know. I, yeah, I think that the more you do it, the easier it gets. I used to be yeah. so embarrassed by my dad, so embarrassed by my dad. Um, and I and my brother reminds me every day how much more I'm starting to sound like him. <laughs> and uh, I'm okay with that. As long as I'm using it for, you know, like I'm not going to complain if I'm not going to eat half my Wendy's fries and then tell him it was cold and can I get another one? Um, that's a little shady pops. But I will, you know, if I get the wrong word, I will speak up. Or when I pay for a service and it's not done to my to the level of, of, of service that I was promised. Yeah. You know, I'll speak up. It's a lesson for us all that you have to say something. There's nothing wrong with saying something. There's somebody in her comments. I forget what they said. She said it's called lost cool. That's what she calls it. So she said that, um, so she has this theory or this like strategy, what she calls lost cool, that she always gives people the opportunity to fix something. So if say, you know, you go to a hotel and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Your room's not ready, but you know, it's it's supposed to be ready, but it's not. But can you allow us, we're going to give you an upgrade and it will be ready at four, even though it's supposed to be in your room by, uh, you know, and she says from 11, when she jumps to, when she's supposed to check in to four, she'll go eat. And if at four she goes and she's cool until then, because this is what you've set before her, that here's the solution. But after four, she calls it lost cool. That she was like, I'm no longer cool after four, because that was a timeline. You had to fix the initial mistake. And I thought, okay, I, I kind of like that. Not that not, not that she's going to wild out, but like now I, I don't have to be, oh, super accommodating. No, you said at this time it's going to be done. Now it's not done. Now this has to escalate up. Where's your manager? Right. You know? And so she called it lost cool. And I was like, you know what? I like that. She's like, you give people the opportunity to fix things and, and they give you the timeline of when it's going to be fixed. And after that, you don't have to be cool about it anymore. You can escalate up. You can send a letter. You can reach out to the next level. And I said, okay, lost cool. I'm going to try that. Give them a chance. Yeah, give them a chance to fix it. Yes. I hope that. Yes. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I was just agreeing with you. 
I hope that if there's one industry where you have to advocate for yourself, though, it's publishing. Everyone I know who's yeah. everyone I know who's published books has had to do their own PR. Their own. She literally, like Lovey said, she had to hire her own publicist outside of the publishing house. Everyone I know who's had a book that hasn't. I mean, I don't know any super famous authors, but the ones, especially in the in the business world, that I know who've written books have had to hire their own little teams to go out there and promote the book and tweet about it and and whatnot. And um, so I think that. You know, I, I think she shouldn't – I mean, it's it's the way it is in a lot of ways. Um, I just – I still can't believe that her own publisher wouldn't want to do the thing. I can see how you wouldn't want to hire a publicist because what if you what if you waste money on a publicist and you don't sell mm-hmm. the books? But by putting mm-hmm. a sticker, you're almost guaranteed to sell more books. Yeah. So I, I don't – hopefully she can choose another one for book number two or, you know, right? I mean, that's what I would do. These people don't want to make hopeless. money. Don't want to make her yeah. money. Okay. Exactly. At the end of the day, I'm sure I'm sure there's lots of publishers that would like a New York Times bestseller under their roster. And I feel like she wouldn't have made that public speech if they if she hadn't already taken it to them. I don't think that exactly. this will be a surprise to them at all. Like she's probably given them the chance, the lost cool. Oh, she chance. did. Yeah. Yep, and, she uh, certainly did. Yep. And still didn't. And so I, I feel that frustration for sure. Yeah. Well, we love you, lovey. Go out and get her book. It's called I'm Judging You. Shonda Rhimes, what she optioned it for a, a television series, right? Yep. Mm hmm. It's a it's a good read. It's a funny read. It's a good summer read too. Yeah, funny. Yeah, I like summer um funny books for the summer. Or go check out her blog if you have an awesomely lovey. Actually, I sh- yeah. I need to read her take on Charlottesville. That's she's one. Of, she's like yeah, I love her for the hot. Yes, takes. <laughs> yeah, yes, she is definitely good for that. She'll like, find the humor read. in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Should we boost and break? Ooh, yes. I have a, a unique boost. Ooh. I'm, I'm, well, this is like, I feel like I'm the, this is on the fence boost break. This is like a boost break. So we'll see how, how well this does. So, That's you know, my everybody, watch- I love that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, everybody has watched that um, documentary on Netflix, uh, What the Health? Oh, I haven't. Oh, well, I have not either. Do but I need to? It's been well, like- then not everyone's read it. <laughs> it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, everyone was posting about it. Like, it's been like this huge Facebook like wave of like, oh, you should watch What the Health. And as a result, so What the Health is a documentary, like an expose on the meat industry in the United States, which, oh, you know, so- basically, you know, yeah, you don't want to know like pus and cows eating other oh, cows Jesus. and dead chickens with each other. It's just. It's just a mess. So anyway, as a result, a lot of people turn vegan, like a huge spike in veganism. And dun, 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 and I know some of you guys who are really vegan are going to be like, Tiffany, get out of my vegan face. I decided I was going to try it out for th- 
three weeks. I'm not going to lie, not for the political reasons, even though I'm like, I know some vegans are rolling their eyes right now. I don't care. I'm trying it out more so for the health reasons, AKA I want to lose 10 pounds. So what? I don't care. Don't judge me. Because a lot of, if I'm in this vegan group, child, it's like really political. I know a lot of people are vegan because they're like, and I agree that, you know, I don't believe in cruelty to animals, um, but I, I had not, I had not seen what, you know, what, how our meat was produced basically. And so it's very cruel to animals, but I'm not going to lie. That was not the reason why I decided to, um, to try out this, this vegan lifestyle. I'm just over this 10 pounds and I'm like, maybe this will help to jumpstart a healthier life. Not that, and I, I can't see myself being vegan for life. Honestly, I think that I definitely would, would have a more plant-based diet. Um, but I will say on the positive side, like I, so I, I don't drink any, I haven't like in the last two weeks I took out, I don't drink much soda anyway, but no juice, no soda, just water. If I need some bubbles, sparkling water, if I need some flavor, lemon water. Um, and then I've been taking apple cider vinegar in the morning which I'm like, mm, it's not my favorite, but whatever. It's tolerable in water with a little splash of honey. I know. Because vegans are like, what? Honey's not vegan. Oh, gosh. I know. Yeah. Um, and then... It's, you got to be careful with that whole vegan thing because everything I, has animal in it. <laughs> like, I know. It I feels can't like give up so, my eggs. I just can't do it. You know what? The hard part for me is not... Because the truth is, I'm not a huge... like I I'm, I don't really eat... I, I was not a big red meat, meat eater. It's very rare. That I would eat red meat. Um, I'm not huge. I'm not a big, big meat eater, even chicken and fish. So the mornings are super easy, I have to say, because I'm usually like, um, I, I, I'm lactose intolerant anyway. So giving up dairy is not super huge, except for sour cream, because I love sour cream. Um, and cheese wasn't a huge give up because I was, I had given up on like 90% of cheese anyway, because of my lactose intolerance and I haven't been able to eat ice cream. So it wasn't, the transition is not super crazy. Lunchtime is easy because I just have a salad and I'll use like, um, like I, I, I like veggie burgers and I, I always like veggie burgers anyway, like outside of like trying this out. So now, like typically now for lunch, it's only been like four days. I'm like, typically, but whatever. Typically now for lunch, I'll have like a veggie burger or whatever. It's the nighttime that's hard because I'm used to like a dinner dinner. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, I have to figure out some recipes that I could try out where I feel like I'm eating like, you know, a decent dinner where I'm not just having like a salad and I'm starving by like eight. Cause that's where I am right now. I'm like, I'm hungry. So I find myself doing a lot of like fruit snacking, which you know, you don't want to have too much, um, even though fruit is better than normal sugar. Um, but I will say in the last four days, I mean, I worked out for six weeks and lost nothing. I will say in the last four days, I lost two pounds, which I was shocked. This um, is all based on a documentary you didn't watch. Exactly. Look at my life. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been some damn good uh, tweets or reviews about this documentary. Yes. You know what it is? I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to see the pus and the dying cows. So I was you like, get it. I'll take yeah. for it. I've watched you know? I've watched like Fat Sick and Sick and Nearly Dead and um there's no, a couple of other that. ones that I've watched. I feel like it's probably similar. Um yes, I saw that. That's the reason and I, I was... spent $8 on eggs last night because they were like they literally had printed pictures inside the egg carton of the happy chickens and I was like, "Okay, these are going to be great." Um and they did taste better than regular eggs, but um really? yeah, because I I mean if I can't give up eggs, but I do spend I feel like eggs are the most economical food. I mean, you get a dozen eggs, it's like a dozen meals or at least six meals out of one carton. Like, yeah, I'll spend eight dollars on some eggs, you know? Um I don't yeah. mind doing that. And it's still cheaper than spending four dollars every day for like an egg muffin, whatever, like what I get from my at my cafe for breakfast. Um but I, I do little things. We don't eat a ton of meat. I like people do um, like a meatless Monday. 
Like if you want to just go mm. like meat free for one that's, day a week. That's it. Yep. It, I'm with you though. A meal. I grew up with like the, the, there had to be a protein or had to be like a, like a meat protein. Yep. But I will say we tried, um, you know, we do the green chef or like the, the, the um, food delivery, the meal kit thing. And we did a vegan week or two and they're really good recipes. Like there was yes. one time we had these sweet potato tacos. Delicious. Ooh. And they were so filling. my my boost break it's like i enjoying it but it's hard so i you know you got to choose whether it's a boost or break what about you mandy uh, and do have a boost i was thinking i was i had some friends over yesterday um actually uh one of their one of my friends Wan lee he did the logo for our show so hey Wan lee um, thanks for the logo uh anyway he and he and his wife came over and they have a, a, a little girl layla who just turned one and they um I don't know. We were talking about we were first of all, we were watching Sesame Street because she was like running around or not running, but, you know, she was just being a little hyper. So they turned on Sesame Street. I did. I had no idea how woke Sesame Street is. If mm-hmm. you want to teach children uh, uh, inclusiveness and yep. and just humanity. I mean, Sesame Street is where it's at. Like they my my uh, uh, his wife was talking about how they have a lot of they've always had in their audience a lot of children with disabilities like down syndrome and i think they they introduced their first autistic muppet not so long ago um and i don't know i just i was like what this is amazing they had Rome- they had all these latin characters on the show they had like gina rodriguez and romeo santos which was kind of funny um like on the show speaking in spanish and it's just so multicultural and i had no idea what i've been missing out on and i'm like hell yes. yeah my kids are going to watch i just thought it was big bird and elmo um, <laughs> and then we got in the subject of Doc McStuffins. Do you know Doc McStuffins? She's the little. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I knew her because I, I think Michelle Obama like did something with her or the voice of her or whatever. Um, but anyway, it's a, if you don't know, I'm sure all of you do, but it's a little, she's a little black girl who's a doctor, right? Or not a black girl. She's a woman. Is she a little kid? No, no, she's a, she's a little kid, she's but she's like, but she's, she's a doctor. doctor. Okay. Yeah. To her little stuffed animals. Oh, I was <laughs> That's so cute. But anyway, apparently there was a lesbian couple on Doc McStuffins, like a a, a bi an interracial lesbian couple on Doc McStuffins. And I was like, what are childhood cartoons? They're amazing. They're so woke. But apparently there's a lot of controversy over this lesbian couple. But I'm fine with sure. that. Um, so I'm just happy with where I'm happy with where media is going. But in terms of like the images that our kid like little kids are seeing these days, um, I don't know. It, it feels like. It feels like that is that's how you raise people who grow up where Obama tweeted or Instagram something after everything that was happening in Charlottesville. And it's him looking at these little children outside of inside of a window. And he was the quote was something like children aren't born noticing color and race and being racist and bigots. They aren't born that way. It's it's society who who in their and people in their social lives who prime them for that. And, and I feel like it's just so important, the images that we, that are, we show our children. And so shout out to Sesame street, Doc McStuffins. And I got to give a special shout out to my mother-in-law, Segunda Madre for having a Brown mother Mary statue in her house. Now I don't know where she got it, but I love it. (laughs) Mary is Brown. We'll still talk about the giant portrait of white Jesus in a bedroom, but she's getting places. (laughs) When I saw it, I was like, okay. One, one step at a time. One step at a time. Uno paso at a time. Yeah. <laughs> hey. 
So now it's time. Can we have time for a quick question? Yeah, we do. Actually, this one is tailor fit for you. I'm going to pull it up. It has to do with your, so we all know Tiffany has the Literature Academy, which you mm-hmm. can do that any time of the year, right? Yep. It's open. Just go to join LRA for Literature Academy, join LRA.com and you can join. We actually just lowered the price because I just wanted to be, I wanted to make sure that price was not a hindrance for folks wanting to join. And a few people reached out to me. They're like, I want to join, but I honestly, I can't afford it. It was like almost 18 bucks a month that we had gotten it up to because honestly, the value is more than worth that. But I kind of work with my um, CFO and my accountant. I was like, what can we bring it down to and not like have to close doors and make sure we can pay everyone and make sure that it makes sense for me financially. And it was $9.99 a month. So we're keeping it there for as long as we can. Um, We probably have maybe a few hundred more people that we can you know, kind of take on at that price. So, yep, join LRA.com. It's $9.99 a month, and you lock yourself in for that for life if, once you lock yourself in for that. Oh, so clutch. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is it like a weekly? You do you do it throughout the year, or do you – have you already so taken happens- things and then you rerun them? No, so I – well, the teacher in me is like, mm, differentiated learning. Some people like to work on their own. So every Sunday we do a live lesson for those folks who are like – Hey, I want to, you know, work with the instructor that is there. So it's it's typically not me teaching the courses. I reach out to people who are way smarter than me in a particular topic. Like you're a tax lawyer, let's talk about taxes. You're a you're a, I don't know, an accountant, so we're going to do, you know, well, account taxes. But <laughs> but that's not a great example, but so I get um experts to basically volunteer an hour on Sundays and um we do a live lesson with that expert and then we also have pre-recorded lessons that are inside the academy for those folks who like to work at their own pace um and then we have longer extended lessons that are about 3 weeks long that we pre-record and we do those about twice a year so the last one we just did was a a home buying intensive and so you could take that at any time. Anything that's ever live is always then placed inside the academy. So you could take it at any time. But it's a mix of pre-recorded and live just in case. And then we also have a private Facebook group, which I really love because I, I make all the instructors go in there and like, you know, be a part of the group. So if you have follow up questions, you know, you would normally have to pay to work with them individually. But they're usually pretty open about sharing and giving you more additional information in the Facebook group. Okay. Well, here's our question. It's from listener V. Um, and she has questions about, so she is, look, she's entrepreneur. She's about to start a podcast and she's interested in doing online academies because she's seen how popular they're becoming. And, um, a lot of people have their own academy. So she has a couple of questions about what it takes to start an academy. Ooh, mm-hmm. I know. So she says, where do you find the people to work with? Um, so that's one, I'm just going to summarize her question. One, she wants to know, where do you find people to support you? Assistants, interns, people to help you figure out. Um, how to launch an academy and how do you pay if you do at all instructors from the academy um, do they receive all the profits from that course or do you receive a percentage since you're the founder so the way I do it is so I I started with anyone if you're looking for help um, if you can't afford to pay them I started with interns I went to internships.com and because uh, these are college students who are like looking for legit internships. And so when I first started out, that's where I found most of them. And I also did social media posts where I was like, hey, looking for an intern, email me. So I got a good team in the beginning. Um, now, of course, I pay, the, I pay my, my staff. Um, but in the beginning, it was all interns. Um, and even when I'm looking for staff, um, I, I, I look to social media. Like I'll reach out to family and friends and say, do you know someone who'd be good at this? And then I'll post on social media saying, hey, looking to hire a, you know, and use the word hire 
because people always think everything is free, you know, like, so looking to hire an, you know, an executive assistant or whatever here, the skill sets that you need, here's how you can contact me. So those are two ways that you can look for help. Um, and as far as launching, I didn't know how. So a friend of mine, um, had done a couple of launches. So he suggested this book, which is everything. It's called launch actually by Jeff. Um, oh man, what's Jeff's last name? Uh, Jeff launch. Sorry, I'm typing it in. Cause I'm like by Jeff, Jeff Walker. It's a great book. Oh my goodness. It walks you step by step, um, through like how to create a launch. And it, it was, the, it was my launch Bible, like step one, do this step two. And I did all the steps and I had a successful, uh, launch. We, I launched the Academy about three different times. Cause every time we would open the Academy, we would relaunch it cause we would come back better. Um, so that definitely use that. And, but then you also want to join um, a Facebook group that will help. So there's a, a Facebook group by Arsha. Let me see. What's Arsha's last name? Arsha. It's called Brand, Build, and Launch with Arsha Jones. And so it's all of these other small business owners, mostly women, who are, like, growing a business. They're, some of them are super successful. Some of them are middle. Some of them are just starting. But it's just a great space to ask questions. So I would definitely suggest you, you – you, um, you uh, become a part of Brand, Build, and Launch with Arsha Jones. That's It's a great, really helpful group. And, and get that launch book by Jeff. Read it through and then take tons of notes. And just do a small launch. Um, but in the beginning, like building the academy at first, you have to find a good platform. Because there are like um, a few. There's Kajabi. There's Teachable. We use Thinkific. So Thinkific, I like it because it's fairly easy to use. And Kajabi is really expensive. And it was not very easy to use. Um, um, I, Teachable, I've heard good things about. Teachable used to be called something else. And I used it when it was something else. And it wasn't that great. But I've heard it's better. So I would look at uh, Thinkific or Teachable as the actual platform for the school. And the, what happens is, for me, the academy wasn't the first thing. I had already had a community. I had the literature challenges, all of the stuff that I was doing for free. Um, and so the academy was like, after years of doing so much stuff for free and not really getting paid for anything, I said, okay, so how can I create some some solid income outside of my speaking and my books, you know? And so I, I started the academy and it was a little easier for me to get folks to um, um, instructors because they wanted access. So they exchange, typically people are not gonna exchange their services for access to your community. But because I had already built a really robust, active community, instructors, because I don't really ask much. I'm like, hey, are you free on Sunday? It's an hour Q&A with me. The, the dream catcher or the, the folks who are the academy members who are watching get to type in and ask questions live. And in exchange, if you have a book or a course or whatever, I allow you to freely upsell because in my, I have a, a private Facebook group called dream catchers. We have about 250,000 women. I don't let anyone sell in there. That's not the purpose of the group. It's a giving group, not a taking group. So it's no one really gets a chance to sell to my audience. But if you come and you donate basically an hour of your time and do a Q and a with my audience, with me kind of hosting, then you get to sell to not the larger audience, but to the, to the, um, to my um, academy members, which is about 8,000 people. But these are people who buy. Like just the other day, uh, Tila Holcomb came on and she teaches, um, uh, like, uh, she teaches how to, how to buy stocks, how to trade your nine to five by trading like stocks. And um, she, had a, she had a course that was $2,000. Somebody bought one from the academy. And so that's the exchange. It's like, hey, an hour to 45 minutes of my time with Tiffany's audience that buys and, you know, they, they will likely buy from me. 
And so, but I'm warning you that most people are not willing to do that. It's only because I already had the audience in place. So it takes a little time. I would just start with figuring out what you're going to create. If you can't afford to, to pay teachers, like look to see if you have any like friends who would like, you know, kind of donate some of their time because it can be really expensive if you, if you have to pay every individual teacher. There's no way I can offer the academy for $9.99 if I had to pay every individual teacher. There's just no way. We would not be able to make, we would not be able to say sustain ourselves. Well, I would find, um, so, I would try and find experts who are just at the beginning stages too. Like they may have all the knowledge, but they may not have the clout or the, yep. the like the brand of their own built yet. So you can benefit from each other and then they may be more willing to do something for free or just for clicks or, or like, um, or, or just like to promote their brand um, and not for straight up money or a percentage of whatever profits you have. Exactly. So you, you didn't, because in the beginning, I used to think I had to offer that. Like the first couple instructors, I did offer them that. And it almost broke the business because I, I actually was making negative. At one point, I was carrying the, the budget needs to my speaking engagements were carrying the um, the academy because I wasn't making any money. And I was like, Tiffany, this doesn't make any sense. You have to rethink your business model because I didn't want to charge more. And I didn't want to, you know, and I was like, I. So I had to say, okay, something has to go. And, and paying the instructors every single time got to be so expensive. And so instead, I just paid them through access. And, you know, like they said it's worth it because so many instructors, like I'll give you an example. One instructor told me she came on, she had like a free um, newsletter. So it was kind of like her opt-in to get on her email list. And so she had 60 people on her on her email list. After that one hour, that night, she had 600 so it's you Tiffany, know so I mean, just know your audience is very is very like you know I don't know what the word is for that but when Tiff says jump they jump no well they're interactive you know what it is it's because of not years the of cliff really... <laughs> they yeah. trust you they trust because, you <laughs> yes it's, it's because of years of giving so what I would suggest is that like you know start your figure out what you want to teach um start making connections now with people that you think would want to teach with you and this, the number one thing, because I almost closed the academy when we were losing so much money last year, because I was just like, I'm paying everything. Like, it's I don't want to charge people more money, but at the same time, this doesn't make sense. I'm losing money. So finally, I stopped making decisions on my own. I started saying, hey, academy members, what do you want? And then when they told me, I started only creating what they asked for, because I was spending so much money creating these new things. And they were like, well, that's cute, but I didn't ask for that. And so that helped significantly. So I was able to kind of get rid of things that I was paying for that they didn't really care about and really only focus on what was really bringing value. And then even now, because we've done so well, we've been able to to reduce the price, which honestly I'm really proud of because I know that what double the amount of women are going to be able to have access. Like I can't afford 18 bucks a month, but I can do 9.99. And so I'm really proud of being able because my biggest thing is always access for women of color. Um, access to financial education for women of color. And at 1899, I was leaving a lot of folks out and that didn't seem fair to me. And so, yeah, a lot of my friends are like, yo, you're crazy. Like a lot of the colorful money people, they hit me behind the scenes. They're like, girl, are you crazy? Because people were, people were buying at, at 18 bucks a month. They were, but it just didn't sit right with me, you know, because I was thinking to myself when I was a preschool teacher and that after I lost my job, would I be able to afford 18 bucks consistently a month? And honestly, I would not have been. And it just didn't feel right. I was like, well, if your old Tiffany couldn't afford it, then what are you doing? And so, yeah, so we're proud of it. So, yeah, join LRA.com. So hopefully, and if not, well, I have so much free stuff. I tell people that's just for if you really want to take your finances to the next level. Like if you if you already done the budgeting and the debt and the credit and the, because all that stuff, the basic stuff I give away for free. So if you haven't done that, then do that. 
The academy is really for folks who want to start businesses, who want to invest, who want to buy homes, who really want to, the next level after you've done the basics. Awesome. Well, so, V, yeah. I hope you found those tips. So internships.com for interns. And then the, mm-hmm. recap the name of the the branding it, and launching. Uh, launching um, so the books. book is called Launch by Jeff Walker. And I would look into these platforms, Teachable and Thinkific for the platforms where you're going to house the um, house your school. Fantastico. You guys, if you have questions, you can go to brandambitionpodcast.com. Our newly, well, not so newly now, but if you haven't seen it the last few months, we've redesigned the site. It looks fabulous. Thank you to our designer, Terry, for hooking us up. Um, go check out brandambitionpodcast.com. Click on Ask Us Anything to send us an email, and hopefully you'll hear your question answered on the show. .com. So what is your win? I'm going to do a real quick win because it's the only bright spot. Well, not the only bright spot, but the bright spot after this weekend of darkness is that I'm going to sit down at 10 o'clock tonight and watch Insecure and watch my girl Issa Rae tell the truth about life in your late 20s for POCs. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I love the show. And, you know, Facebook reminded me today, like I had a Facebook memory of my friend. I give her credit, Juliet Obodo. Um, also of New Jersey fame, hooked uh, turned me on to Awkward Black Girl on YouTube way back yes! in the day. And we, yes, I remember. We got no work done at work. We were at law360.com. She was in sales. <laughs> I was supposed to be doing, I don't even know what, re- writing or reading the legal documents. And we were just sitting there just tee-hee-heeing over over Issa Rae and her, and her Awkward Black Girl series. And so it's just, I just love her show so much. I feel like it's so relevant. And she, it was just renewed for a third season. So that's my win. My win is oh man, it was like the tip of my tongue. Darn it! Ah, it was good. I'm just saying, oh broken pussy, broken pussy <laughs> until you think of it. Oh no, no, no! I got it because you said Issa Rae. My win is so I was able. I was really fortunate in that I spoke at Black Girls Lead. That's Black Girls Rock. You know, um, it's this Black Girls Rock is this awesome, um, like a what is it like a oh an award show for Black women that rock, and so they tape it live in Newark every year. Um, which is awesome, like around the corner from my house. And they have a summer camp for young women called Black Girls Lead. So I spoke at it. And one of the perks of speaking at the summer camp is that you get a ticket to the taping. So I went and let me just say, because I know, I don't know, by the time this show um, airs, um, it won't have aired yet. So I'll just tell you, Auntie Maxine goes all the way in. It is amazing. She is amazing. She's the definition of lit, okay? Um, and she just goes all the way in on um, uh, 45 on our role to make this world a better place. Auntie Maxine is everything. And so she is my win because she is amazing. And, you know, she just deserves to be honored. Yeah, who's making her t-shirts? I need to get one of those. I know. <laughs> Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, <laughs> Reclaiming my time uh, on the front, brown ambition on the back. How about that? That's yes, a winner. I love it. That's it a winner. is. <laughs>
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.